Okay, good morning, everyone. An incredible schos to be here with you on this uh, beautiful rainy morning. And in Merit Hashem, we will have the incredible. It's not so, it's a little bit dark outside, but in Merit Hashem, we'll bring a little bit of light with our Torah. So we are continuing in Merit Hashem this week in Capital Gimel, in Chapter 3 in Tehillim. Last week, we spent the sheer developing the historical background for this capital. And actually, as we saw, the historical background is quite profound. This capital written in the aftermath, or maybe even really in the aftermath of the rebellion of Avshalom. And we discussed the idea that the rebellion of Avshalom doesn't occur in a vacuum, but instead the rebellion of Avshalom is the result the catastrophic fallout of the episode with Bathsheba, where David HaMelech, actually we just had this in, we just had this Gemara in Dafyomi just yesterday, where the Gemara discusses that there were four four punishments or four repercussions for David HaMelech's conduct with Bathsheba, the last of the four being the rebellion from within David HaMelech's home, a rebellion led by someone within his own home, David HaMelech not realizing, we'll discuss who that was going to be, but it turns out to be Avshalom. So what I'd, like to, what I'd like to focus on a little bit this week is really just one word or two words. Because remember, the capital begins with Mizmor Lidavid Bevarchom Mipnei Avshalom Beno, which literally means a song of David, a song of David, when he ran away, when he fled from Avshalom, his son. And the fundamental question that the commentaries are focused on is why Mizmor le David? What do you mean a song of David? Remember, again, there are times when David HaMelech writes a Mizmor. Remember, we've, we've been around the Tehillim block long enough to know that David HaMelech opens his chapters of Tehillim with different words. So sometimes it's Mizmor. But usually when it's Mizmor, the theme of the capital is a bit more upbeat. The theme, theme of the capital is a bit more jubilant, it's a bit more happy, a bit more simcha, mizmor, it's a song. There are times when David HaMelech writes, kina David, a lamentation, lam natzeach, there are many ways to open a capital. So it's intriguing over here that in a capital, which highlights the rebellion of Avshalom, which for David HaMelech was an incredibly painful chapter. Because remember again, any rebellion for a leader is painful. Any rebellion led by one's own child is painful. But remember, again, we see the context from last week. David HaMelech, remember again, so just remember this one part of the story. So Amnon raped his half-sister Tamar. Avshalom kills Amnon, right? Because Tamar was Avshalom's full sister. So, so Avshalom kills Amnon. Avshalom is forced to run away, go into exile. And then David HaMelech invites him back. David HaMelech reconciles with his son. So the very son he reconciled with is the very son who leads a rebellion against his father. So a very painful chapter, a very painful episode. So why is it called Mizmor Ledavid? Why is it a song? Why is this capital, which really highlights and focuses on so much pain, why is it called a song? So if we take a look at number two, so the Radak says, Mizmor Ledavid, number two, Aleph, he says, So the Radak gives two answers. First and a very simple one. 
Remember, David HaMelech meant, when he wrote, he's told this many times, David HaMelech wanted more than anything to build the base HaMikdash. But alas, that dream was denied to him. So he does the next best thing. First of all, he purchases the real estate for the base HaMikdash. That's number one. Second of all, he writes the music for the Levitic choir for the base HaMikdash. So therefore, the Radak says, when the capital opens up Mizmor the David, that just means that David HaMelech has in mind that this capital should be sung by the Levitic choir. It doesn't mean that the tone or that the thematic or the thematic content of the capital is joyful, but David HaMelech is saying, sing this in the Beis HaMikdash. Okay, second answer of the Radak in two Beis. V'chein kulam hane'emarim al David b'shas ma'isa, shahaya David bahem b'sakana. Elo la'achar shini samikulam, so this is interesting. The Radak says that as much as David HaMelech is writing about the rebellion of Avshalom, when is he writing about the rebellion? After he was victorious. After he was saved. So the Radak points out that as much as the, 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 the subject is the rebellion, the actual writing of the capital occurs after the rebellion, David Amalek is saved from Avshalom. Now, Rahman al-Islam, unfortunately, Avshalom was killed. Avshalom was killed. And remember again, David laments Avshalom's death, much to the surprise of his soldiers and generals, right? Remember again, David Amalek cries out, Avshalom b'ni, Avshalom b'ni, 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 Avshalom b'ni. David Amalek cries out. And the soldiers, of course, are astonished because Avshalom was ready to kill his father. And Avshalom would have killed David had David fallen into his hands. But yet again, every parent knows that one's love for a child is not dependent on your child being nice to you or respectful to you. If that's the case, most of us probably wouldn't love our kids. But at, but at the end of the day, a parent's love for a child is unconditional. Is unconditional. So David HaMelech loves his son despite all the terrible things that Avshalom has done. So the Radak therefore says, Mizmor le David bevarcho mitnev shalom beno. It's a Mizmor. Why? David Amalek is writing it after the rebellion has failed. David Amalek has been saved. His monarchy has been restored. He is back in Yerushalayim. He is back on his throne. He sings to HaKadosh Baruch Hu a Mizmor, a song that you saved me from this overwhelming potential catastrophic event. The Gemara has a different approach. The Gemara Meseches Brachas asks this question explicitly. And the Gemara says, the Gemara says in number three, Mizmor le David bevarchom ifnev shalom beno. Mizmor le David, the Gemara says, Kino le David mi baile. Why do you say a song of David? Should it not be a lamentation? Right? David, the, the kino, like kinos. Kino is a lamentation. Should it not be Kino le David bevarchom ifnev shalom beno? A lamentation of David when he had to run away from his son of Shalom. This is terrible. This is horrible. Again, as I just mentioned before, rebellion against the leader is always terrible, right? Rebellions rebellions always have catastrophic consequences afterwards. We see it with Moshe Rabbeinu and Korah. We see it with every rebellion over the course of Jewish history. When there's a rebellion against righteous leadership, it never ends well. So should it not be a lamentation of David Akina, not a Mizmar? To which the Gemara says, and this is incredible. Amr the Rabbi Shimon ben Avi Shalom. Second line in number three. So Rabbi Shimon ben Avi Shalom says, Mashalam al To what can this be compared? 
He says, Like a person who had a note of indebtedness. That's a shtarchov. And I owe you, I owe someone money. I owe someone money. Kodim sheparo sheparo So this is incredible. You know, when you owe something to someone else, the Gemara says, when, when I'm in a state of debt, that creates an incredible amount of anxiety. When I go ahead and I pay off my debt, even though I have much less money, right? Even though, again, think about this, a person has a mortgage on a home. So I know I have to meet that monthly mortgage payment. You know, the day in Meretz Hashem that you reach the point where your mortgage is paid off, asimcha, asimcha, I, but you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? You don't have that money in your pocket. So the Gemara says, it's okay. There's something about the Gemara, something about paying off your debts. Now we're going to see it's not really paying off your debts that the Gemara is focusing on. The Gemara is focusing on a different dynamic. Listen to this. Af King David. David Malach was the same way. Kevan Hinini mekim alecha rami you see, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we learned this yesterday, I'm sorry, last week. In last week's year, we spoke about the fact that when David is confronted by Nasan Hanavi about his behavior with Bathsheba, so Nasan Hanavi tells him there's going to be a variety of repercussions, right? Number one, the little baby that you have with Bathsheba is going to die. And in addition to a number of other things, Nasan Hanavi says to David, I'm going to cause evil to rise up against you from within your own home. In other words, Nasan Handavi tells David, not only is there going to be a rebellion, but the rebellion is going to start from within your own home. Haya Atsif, David was very sad because he thought to himself, Amar, Shema Eved, Omamzer, Salai. Maybe all the Navi told me is that the person who rises up against me from with, is going to be from within my own home. Now that phrase, from within my own home, is very amorphous. Maybe it'll be a slave of mine. And if my slave rises up against me, he will have no compassion upon me. No compassion upon me. Just to give you an example of this, right? The most famous slave rebellion, most famous slave rebellion, that we have again in our history, in the Jewish people's history, is the, when Herod, right? Hordus was a slave, was a servant. He was an Ever Kenani to the Hashmonai family, the Hasmoneans, in the aftermath of the Hanukkah story. Remember again, what does Herod do when he rebels against his Hashmonai masters? What does he do? He kills them all. He kills them all. There's one person he didn't kill. He fell in love with one of the Hashmonai daughters, one of the Hashmonai girls. So he doesn't kill her. He doesn't kill her. Amazing enough, we know this story. The Gemara says, she goes up to the rooftop and she cries out, I am the last remaining member of the Hashmonai family. And anyone after me who claims to be a member of the Hashmonaim, they're really a slave. And she throws herself to her death. When slaves rebel against their masters, it's not pretty. It's not pretty, but I want to point out, Rabbi Soloveitchik points out, this is what was unique about the Pesach story. Think about this. The Pesach story was a slave rebellion. And what did we do on our first night of freedom? If you look at slave rebellions, what do slaves normally do when they first taste freedom? Well, they murder, they loot, right? They take revenge, unbridled revenge upon the oppression of their masters. 
What did we do on our first night of freedom? Amazing. We ate. We ate. We had a big dinner. We had Karben Pesach. We stayed in our homes. We gathered our families. The Ribbono Shalom did not allow us to take revenge against our Egyptian masters. Isn't that incredible? HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, do you know what the hallmark of freedom is? It's restraint. The hallmark of freedom is to hold yourself back. The hallmark of freedom is not to take revenge. The hallmark of freedom is to exercise your freedom by being morally superior to your oppressors. Not by venting every form of fury against those who mistreated you. It's incredible. In any event, David HaMelech says, when Nassan Hanavi tells him there's going to be a rebellion from within your own, own home, David HaMelech is sad. It's interesting, not scared, but sad. Not sad, because maybe it's going to be a slave of mine who's going to rebel. Amamzer, someone, and he's not going to have compassion. What happens, says the Gemara? Kevan dechazadav shalom hu samach. This is incredible. Then when David realizes, right, when Avshalom rebels, and David HaMelech realizes, oh, this is the rebellion of Nasan Hanavi. This is the rebellion, right? This is the rebellion. Nasan Hanavi predicted, it's my son. It's Avshalom Samach. He was joyous. This is incredible. He was joyous. Why? So remember, he was joyous because, you see, David HaMelech assumed, although he was wrong, but he assumed that because it was his son who was rebelling, Avshalom would have some element of Rachmanus on David. Now he was wrong. Avshalom was ready to kill his father. Avshalom was ready to tear his father into a million pieces. He was, he was. But David HaMelech thought, okay, he wants the throne, he wants the power, but he doesn't need to kill me. So David HaMelech, so amazingly enough, the Gemara says, Mizmor le David Shalom. You see, here's what's interesting. The Radak says it's Mizmar, it's Mizmar, because David wrote this after the rebellion when everything quote unquote worked out okay. David Amalek was saved, right? He was not killed by Avshalom. He wasn't killed by Avshalom. So Mizmor le David, David was so happy because he was saved from Avshalom. The Gemara says, no, that's not it. David writes this capital as he's running away from Avshalom. Like the capital says, I, but if you're running away from Avshalom, then how are you celebrating? Because he was so happy that it was his son who led the rebellion and not a slave. Because if it's my son, my son will have compassion. A slave could exhibit unbridled fury. Now, what's interesting about this Gemara is as follows. That the Gemara gives us a little bit of a window into, into David HaMelech's kind of psyche. That for all of those years, remember again, the rebellion of Avshalom happens towards the end of David HaMelech's life. So I want to point out that the episode of Bathsheba happens towards the beginning of David HaMelech's life. So I'll point out something very interesting here, which is, all of those years in the aftermath of the episode of Bathsheba, David HaMelech walks around with this uncertainty. And what's the uncertainty? I know there's going to be a rebellion. I don't know what. I don't know who is going to lead it. So can you see me? And that's why the Gemara gives the mashal. The Gemara gives the mashal of if I have a debt, I have to pay. Before I paid it, I know I have to pay it. I don't necessarily know that I'm going to be able to pay it or how I'm going to pay it. 
Once the debt is paid, as much as I have less money in my pocket, there's a certain simcha knowing that the debt is paid. The score is settled. So for all of these years, David HaMelech walks around with the knowledge of knowing there's going to be a rebellion. But I don't know who is going to lead it. So when Avshalom finally leads the rebellion, and Darwin says, ah, it's my son. It's my son. So now the Gemara says, it's, it's amazing, there's an element of simcha. There's an element of joy because finally I know who's leading the rebellion. Finally, the debt is paid. And I'll show you something amazing. Because Shlomo HaMelech, understand, Shlomo already was a young man during the, during the rebellion of Avshalom. He sees this. And he says something so profound in Mishlei because I think he saw a certain dynamic growing up. Take a look at number four. Shlomo HaMelech says, Ma'or e'naim yisamach lev, which literally means the light of the eyes makes the heart happy. Now, what, is, what does that mean? If you look in the Mitzudah stuff, this is incredible. Number five, Ma'or e'naim, ha'ares e'naim bedavra ha'masubak, when your lights are, when your eyes are illuminated with something that was doubtful, we'll see what this means in just a moment. Yismach leiv, the heart rejoices. Ki ba'olam simcha kataras hasvekos. This line, by the way, you can make it into a bumper sticker. This is a mantra for life. Ki ba'olam simcha. There is no greater joy in the world. Kataras hasvekos. Like the resolution of doubt. Let's talk about this for a few moments. There is no greater joy in the world than the resolution of doubt. What does this mean? So again, the truth is we understand what this means. What this means is when you walk around life and you know that something major is looming, but you don't know when and you don't know where and you don't know how, it hangs over you like a dark cloud. And sometimes in life, it's better to name the monster. It's better to know, okay, this is what it is. You know, it's almost like you remember when you're a kid and you're, or maybe for some of us still in our adult lives and you're getting a shot and you're getting a shot, right? And the doctor and the doctor walks into the room. The doctor walks into the room and is ready to give you the shot and the doctor does the countdown and you're like, don't do the countdown, just do it. Just, just, just do it because don't, don't start from 104 and count your way back because that, that's, it, it, that kills me. That's more painful. The, the, the looming doubt of something occurring is even more painful than the episode itself. Just do it. Once I know it's going to happen, there is no greater joy in life than resolution of doubt. And we know this. And as we get older, we appreciate this even more. In other words, I'd rather know the bad news, I'd rather know it and understand it so I can wrap my head around it than kind of walk around in this amorphous state of knowing that something is wrong, knowing that something's problematic, but not exactly knowing the nature of that which is problematic. This, I just want to point out, so we'll talk about this with David and then we'll talk about this in life. So with David, David, David lives all of these years in a state of suffolk, in a state of doubt. I know there's going to be a rebellion, but I don't know who it is. And I don't know, or I should say, I don't know when it's going to occur. And I don't know who is going to lead it. When it's finally Avshalom, David, it sounds strange, but David HaMelech is besimcha. Ah, 
Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, finally, I know when it's going to happen, I know what's happening, and I know who's perpetrating it. Ein Simcha Kataras Now, I want to just point out that I, I, I think, I think that this is a profoundly sowed in life because the truth is, you know, many of us have areas of dysfunction or disrepair that we know are dysfunctional and in a state of disrepair, but we choose not to deal with them. We choose not to deal with them because somehow it's amazing. Although we are adults and intelligent people, we fool ourselves into thinking that if I don't deal with the problem, it doesn't really exist, right? If I don't deal with it, it's not here. It's, it's, it's not here. You know, there's a very powerful, powerful video um, by Amudim. You know, Amudim is an incredible organization that helps people deal with all types of mental health situations. And they have a powerful, they have a powerful video regarding abuse. And in that video, they have a, it's a video of a family. And this is abuse happening in a family. And the mother in the family is a little bit of what, she has an inkling of what is going on, but she chooses not to deal with it. And so in the video, the metaphor is sweeping it under the rug. And she keeps sweeping. She sees things that are strange. She keeps sweeping, sweeping, sweeping. And it's in the dining room until the point that the rug under the dining room table, the table's at a slant. And when people sit down to eat, the dishes are falling off the table. But everybody just sits around. Everybody just sits around. And I've always thought it's, it's an unfortunate reality by abuse. But it's not just by abuse. It's, an, it, it's a reality in life that how many times in life I know something is wrong. I know something is wrong. And, and we could, you could fill in your, your, your personal blank, right? Whether it's that I know something's wrong in me. I know something is in a state of disrepair. I know something has to change. Or maybe there's something wrong in my marriage. Or maybe there's something, you know, askew with my children. Or maybe there's something wrong with my, with, you know, with my relationship with my parents. Or relationship with Hashem. And I know there's a problem. But I think that somehow if I don't deal with it, it'll just get better. It'll just get better. And here's the incredible part. What David HaMelech teaches us is actually the opposite is true. Because when I know that there's a problem in life, and I know, I know deep down it's there, and I'm not dealing with it, that actually causes more turmoil. Because living in that state of Suffolk, living in that state of doubt, where I know that there's a problem, but I'm unwilling to name it, and I'm unwilling to deal with it, and I'm unwilling to confront it, living in a constant state of emotional turmoil is like Gehenna. So you can put on a smile, you could pretend like everything is okay, but inside I'm churning. And the amazing, the amazing anomaly is, right? The irony is that the greatest simcha is when you confront your demons. The greatest simcha in life is when you name the demons, name the monster, confront the challenge. Because what have I done? I've dispelled the ambiguity. I've dispelled the ambiguity. There is a resolution of doubt, not a resolution of the problem. Right? The problem might still be there, but at least I've dispelled the fog of ambiguity around my life issue. I'm confronting. 
And when you know what you when you when you when you've named the demon, when you've named the monster, when you know the mountain you have to climb, when you've identified the challenge that you must find the solution to, David Amalek teaches us there's a simcha, there's a joy. Well, what are you what are you joyful about, right, David Amalek? What are, what are you rejoicing about? Your son Avshalom just rebelled against you. David says, "You're right." But for so many years, I'm walking around shrouded in this fog of ambiguity. What's going to happen? Where is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? And now I finally know. Of course, it's painful. It's painful. Of course, David Amalek loses a child at the end of this episode. It's tragically painful. But at the end of the day, now I know. I've named the monster. And Shlom, that's what Shlom Hamalk says. You know, it's, it's interesting. You know that the greatest life lessons we learn... I have nothing to do with what our parents tell us. I think most of us remember very little of what our parents tell us, but we remember everything that we saw our parents do. Everything. And so Shlomo HaMelech grows up in a home. And remember, Bathsheba is his mother, David is his father. He grows up in a home where he sees a father in this turmoil, knowing that rebellion is coming and not knowing when or who. And then when it's finally of Shalom, can you imagine this? When it's finally of Shalom, Everybody is panicked, and David Hamelech is dancing. Simin Mazel Mazel. He's happy. He's happy. I know that's a bit hyperbolic, but you understand. He's happy, right? Why? Because ah, no more ambiguity. And Shlomo says, "Wow, Abba, Tati, whatever he called his father, what an incredibly profound lesson you just taught me." And that's where Ein Simcha Kataras Hasrikos. There is no greater joy in life than the resolution of doubt. Stop hiding from your problems. Stop hiding from the challenges. Because we think, it's incredible, right? I think that if I hide from it, I feel better. I think that if I sweep it under the rug, that's good. I don't have to deal with it. If I don't have to deal with it, it doesn't exist. If it doesn't exist, I have no pain. And we know it's not true because I know it's under the rug. I know it's there. I know what the problems are, even if I pretend like I don't. I know what the challenges are in the various arenas of my life. And I think, I fool myself that by not dealing with them, I'll be a happier person. And in fact, it's just the opposite. There is no greater joy in life than ultimately, again, resolution of doubt, dispelling the fog of ambiguity, naming your demon, naming the monster, confronting the challenge. There's no greater simcha. I, what do you mean no greater simcha? Now I have to face the challenge. Exactly. But the worst thing in life is doubt. The worst thing in life is doubt. To know what you're up against. To know the challenges. Shlomo HaMelech says, after observing all that he did growing up in his father's home, ain't simcha There is no greater simcha than that. Therefore, again, according to this approach of the Gemara, it's really pretty incredible that Mizmar Ledavid Bevarchom Ipneaf Shalom Beno David HaMelech says, now I have the ability to confront the demon. The fog of ambiguity has been dispelled. There is no longer a lack of clarity. I know what it is. I know what the challenge is. And now I'm ready to face it. So Mizmor David, it's a song which teaches us the incredible lesson. Ein simcha. Actually, the lush of the Mizudas David is, Ki ein ba'olam simcha. There is no greater joy in the world. Like the resolution of doubt. What a profound lesson for our own lives. But there's another piece in this as well. There's another piece that David Amalek teaches us, 
with Mizmar David Bevarchom and Nehav Shalom Beno. If you take a look, if you take a look, actually, let's skip a little bit. Take a look at number seven. So there's a beautiful Gemara Meseches Brachas. The Gemara says, Chayiv Adam Levarich Al Hara, Kishem Shemevarich Al Hatova. So that's the Mishnah Meseches Brachas says that a person is obligated to bless Hashem. Bless Hashem for the Ra, for that which is negative, the same way that I am obligated to bless Hashem for the good. So the Gemara says, what does that mean? Practically speaking, what, is, what does that mean? Now, it can't mean the Pashib Shat that I should be, thank you, Hashem, thank you so much, Hashem, for all of the terrible things or the things that I perceive as terrible that you visited upon me. I'm just as happy for the Tsaris as I am for the Simchas. I don't know. I don't know if there's anyone exactly like that who exists in the world. Right? Somebody who's as happy for a tzara as you are for a simcha. I don't know. I don't think that's the expectation. I think that that's a ridiculous expectation to have of us. So what, what, what does it mean that a person is obligated to bless Hashem? Levarich. Levarich. To bless on the bad in the same way that I bless for the good. So if you want to say that it means, you know, when something beautiful happens, there's an obligation to make the bracha of hatov v'hametiv. hatov v'hametiv. Hashem is good and he bestows good. So hey, without getting into the halachas, there are sometimes you make hatov v'hametiv, sometimes you make shechianu. That's not our topic. So the Gemara says, if you mean it to tell me that you literally have to make the same bracha for negative things as that occur for positive things, so the Gemara says, that can't be. V'hotnan, we learned. Al-besoros tovos, omer ha-tova native. Al-besoros raos, omer baruch dayan ha-emes. So that's not true. For good tidings, for good events, we make the bracha ha-tova native. And unfortunately, again, for terrible, for catastrophic events, for sad events, for lost field events, we make the bracha ultimately, again, of dayan ha-emes. So what does it mean? So it's different bracha. So what does the Mishnah mean when it says... The same way I'm obligated to make a bracha for, for ra, I'm sorry, the same way that I'm obligated to make a bracha for tova, I also make a bracha on ra'a. What does that mean? Amarava lo nitzricha ela lekablinhu besimcha. So therefore, Rava comes along in a very powerful gemara. Rava says what it means is that you have to accept whatever happens in life besimcha. So Rava understands, it's interesting, so Rava understands that when the Mishnah says, I am obligated to bless Hashem for the Ra, for that which is negative, in the same way that I bless Hashem for that which is good, Rava means it's an emotional statement. I have to accept, I have to accept Besimcha, I have to accept Besimcha, everything that Hashem does. I believe in my heart that whatever Hashem does is for good, and therefore whatever He does, I accept it Besimcha. A very powerful Gemara. Now, I'm sure not a concept that we are new to, but I would say perhaps one of the most challenging theological precepts. The ability to accept that which Hashem does, B'Simcha. B'Simcha. Now, I want to point out, B'Simcha doesn't mean I have a big smile on my face. This is very important. We've spoken about this before. This is when Rabbi Nachman says, Mitzvah Gidola Lihios B'Simcha Tamid. So does Rabbi Nachman mean that I always have to have an obligation? I'm, there's always an obligation to go ahead and smile. There's always an obligation to actually, you know, do backflips over everything that's happening in life. 
No, because that's not the reality of life. Simcha means a state of inner equilibrium, where I recognize I'm able to accept that all that Hashem does comes from Hashem and is for the good. So this is incredible. So when, according to Rava, and we'll do, we'll do the next Gemara outside, but I'll tie this together for you. So the Gemara's understanding is as follows, that the same way that I'm obligated to go ahead and bless Hashem for the good, which means I recognize that all the good things in my life come from Hashem, I'm obligated to believe that all of the challenging things in my life come from Hashem as well. And therefore, I must accept the challenges, the simcha as well with a complete heart, recognizing that it's from the Ribbono Shalom, and therefore some way, somehow, it's for my good. So there's another Gemara. There's another Gemara. It's actually, it's, it's all the same Gemara Masechus Brachas. So I'll tell you this one outside, so we can discuss this a little bit more. So the Gemara in number nine begins with a statement of Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Akiva says, and listen to this phrase, Li'olam yehei adam ragil lomar, Called the Ovid Rachmana Litav Ovid. A person, now literally translated, a person should accustom himself to habituate himself to say, everything that Hashem does is for the good. Another mantra called the Ovid Rachmana Litav Ovid, right? So we have two mantras today, right? In Simcha Kataras Hasvekos, there's no greater joy than the resolution of doubt. And Rabbi Akiva called the Ovid Rachman al-Tav Ovid. Everything that Hashem does is for the good. The Gemara then goes on to tell a story. And it's an incredible story. The Gemara tells a story that Rabbi Akiva was once traveling with a group of his students. He traveled a group of his students. They came to a particular city and they requested lodgings in the city. So the Gemara says, no one offered them hospitality. There was no room at the local inn, and all the, all the local townspeople shut their doors to Rabbi Akiva and his students. Okay? With no, with no other choice, they went to go ahead and sleep outdoors. They went in a field a little bit outside of the city, and that's where they spent the night. So the Gemara says, it is Rabbi Akiva and his students. I'm sorry, so before, so they're leaving the city. The students are distressed. The students are distressed. Rabbi Akiva says, don't be upset. Called the Avid Rachman and everything that Hashem does is for the best. So they come, they set up camp in the field, and the Gemara relates what do they have with them? They have with them a rooster, because you have to have a rooster to get up in the morning, Khamra, a donkey to carry their stuff, and Shraga and a candle to give them light. Okay, so you have to imagine the scene. Rabbi Akiva and his students camping out in the field, and all they have with them again, the rooster the donkey, the candle. What happened, the Gemara says, So wind blows and extinguished the candle. A cat came and ate the rooster. Sounds like Chagadia. Right, what happens? So the cat comes along. So now, no candle. Rooster's gone. And to make matters worse, A lion came and devoured the donkey. Okay, so now at this point in time, the students are getting a little bit braggish, right? No place to stay. Now there's no light. There's no rooster to get up in the morning. And the donkey, now we have to schlep our own stuff, right? And Rabbi Akiva says, guys, calm down. Everything that Hashem does is for the good. So what happens? The Gemara then fast forward. So now, remember, they're sleeping in the field. 
it's pitch black. It's pitch black. There's no candle. There's no donkey. There's no rooster. Fine. What happens? The Gemara says that night, the city that refused them lodging was attacked and all of the inhabitants were taken captive. So Rabbi Akiva says, do you see what happened? Had we been lodging in the city, we would have been taken captive. Furthermore, again, had the candle been lit, the robbers, the bandits would have seen our location. And had the rooster been alive, the rooster might have crowed, given away our location as well. Had the donkey been alive, the donkey may have brayed and, and given away our location. So Rabbi Akiva says, you see, we were only saved because we were denied lodging, the candle was extinguished, the rooster was killed, and the donkey was devoured by a lion. Rabbi Akiva says, don't I always tell you, Lav Omri Luchu, Kom Shmasha Osa, Kodesh Baruch Everything Hashem does called the Ovid Rachmana Litav Ovid. Incredible, incredible. So what's interesting about this Gemara is as follows. The Gemara seems to ascribe this statement to Rabbi Akiva. Right? The Rabbi Akiva says, The person should always say, Whatever Hashem does is for good. So the Ben Yehoyad, one of the commentaries on the Gemara says, I don't understand. Rabbi Akiva is not the one who came up with this mantra. Who came up with this mantra? You know this. Nochum ish gamzu. Right? Nochum ish gamzu. And Nachum Ish Gamzu, the Gemara says his name was Nachum. Why did they call him Nachum Ish Gamzu? Because everything that would happen, what would he say? Gamzu Latova. This is also for the God. By the way, to amplify the question, Nachum Ish Gamzu was Rabbi Akiva's Rebbe. <laughs> wow. He was Rabbi Akiva's Rebbe. So I don't understand. The Gemara comes along and says, oh, I have to tell you, Rabbi Akiva said something so profound that a person should always say, whatever Hashem does is for the good. Rabbi Akiva didn't make this up. Rabbi, this, this is not a chiddish. This is not something new that Rabbi Akiva is advancing. Rabbi Akiva got this from his Rebbe. Nochum. Nochum was one who taught us, called, I'm sorry, Gamzu Latova, Gamzu Latova, Gamzu Latova. Even Uncle Maishi sings about it. Everything Gamzu Latova comes from Nochum Gamzu. It doesn't come from Rabbi Akiva. So why is the Gemara ascribing it to Rabbi Akiva? Why is the Gemara giving credit to Rabbi Akiva? To which the Ben Yehoyada says something absolutely amazing. The beginning of the Gemara, the beginning of the Gemara, Rabbi Akiva doesn't just say, called the Avid Rahman That's not what Rabbi Akiva says. He doesn't just say everything that Hashem does is for good. Rabbi Akiva adds on an introductory phrase. Li'olam Yehei Adam Ragil Lomar. A person must habituate themselves, must accustom themselves to say, to articulate. You see, Nachum Ish Gamzu taught us a hashkafa, taught us a mindset, Gamzu Latova. Rabbi Akiva says, if you're really going to see Hashem even in adversity, and if you're even going to see Hashem in the difficult chapters in life, and if you really want to accept everything that Hashem does, even the difficult things, Li'olam Yehei Adam Ragil Lomar. It's not enough just to think it. You have to say it. You have to say the words. Call the Avid Rachmana Litav Avid. Everything Hashem does is for the good. You have to say it because if you don't say it, it's not real. 
By the way, we see this concept in other areas as well. This is the Rambam in the beginning of Hilchus Tshuva. Remember again, what does the Rambam say? Kishiyase Tshuva, right? Kishiyase Tshuva, the Rambam says when a person does Tshuva, chayiv lehizvados. person is obligated to do vidui. And the Gemara says, Ketzad vidui, Omer, a person says, Chatosi, Avisi, Pashati, Vasisi, Kach, Vekach. In order to do vidui, in order to do Tshuva, what's the first step? What's the first step? You have to confess, right? And you can't just think it. You can't think vidui. You have to say vidui. Why? Because things that you think aren't always real. But things that you say take on a dynamic of reality. So when I'm doing tshuva, if I'm really going to change the way I lived, and I really want to fix my averos, the first thing I really have to do is I have to confess. I have to acknowledge the reality that I have made mistakes. I have made mistakes. And the only way to acknowledge that reality is to say it, to actually bring it into the world through Dibor. Only once I say it, does it become real. Rabbi Akiva says, Nachum Ishkamzu taught us the hashkafa, the mindset of Gamzu Litova, that everything that Hashem does is for the good. He taught us the hashkafa. What Rabbi Akiva is adding on is the Olam Yehei Adam Ragil Lomar. It's not enough to think it. Every day I have to say it because the things that you say, the things that you say take on a reality. The things that you say become real because speech, words, we know this. Words, you know, you know, you know, that, you know how we know this like in, like in relationships, whether it's in a marriage or whether it's with parents, one of the most important thing in relationships is to tell people you love that you love them. Tell your husband you love him. Tell your wife you love him. Tell your kids you love them. I bet they know. They know. Of course, well, hopefully they know. But at the end of the day, when you articulate something, when you say something, it becomes real. It becomes real. You could think it, so maybe for you it's real, but when you articulate it, it becomes a true reality. So Rabbi Akiva says, and this is incredible, Rabbi Akiva's statement is, I have to say it. And by the way, not just an episodic recitation, but a daily recitation. Every single day to say the words, Whatever Hashem does is for the good. Say it, say it, say it, say it. Because only once you say it, Ultimately, again, does it become a reality? So perhaps, perhaps what's happening in this capital is this same exact dynamic. What's happening in this capital? Remember, again, we're, we're focusing on one simple question. How could it be that David HaMalach says, Mizmor David bevarcho mipnei avshalom beno? Mizmor David. So according to the Gemara, do you know what's happening over here in this capital? David HaMalach is accepting that everything that Hashem does is for good. I, your son, is rebelling against you. Your very family is being torn apart. Your own flesh and blood is rising up against you. This is terrible. You're being displaced. David HaMalach says, whatever Hashem does is for the good. But David HaMalach also realizes that it's not enough to think it. You have to say it. So how does David HaMalach say it? Mizmor le David. By the way, David doesn't just say it. You know what he does? He sings it. He sings it. 
Ribono shal olam, everything you do is for the best. Kol da'avid, rachmano letavavid. Gamzu letova, mizmar letavid bevarcho mepneav shalom beno. He's singing, he's dancing, because if this comes from Hashem, as painful as it is, some way and somehow, it is for the good. So if we bring this all together, it turns out that David HaMelech really, just in this opening you know, David HaMelech is our ultimate life Rebbe. Everything you need to know to live successfully in life, David HaMelech teaches us. And just in this opening phrase of Mizmor David HaMelech teaches us two incredible lessons. Because remember, again, our entire show, we focused on one question. Why Mizmor? Why is David singing? Should it not be Kino? Should it not be Lamentation? To which David HaMelech teaches us two profound lessons. Lesson number one, Ein Simcha Kataras Hasvekos. There is no greater joy in life than the resolution of doubt. Resolution of doubt. Why Mizmar the David? All of these years, David Malach is wondering who's going to lead the rebellion? What's going to happen? Who is it going to be? And then he finally hears that it's Avshalom Givaldi. Incredible. Incredible. I'm so happy. Really? You're happy? There's a rebellion from your own kid? I'm happy because now I know. Because now I know. Because the worst thing in life is to live life with ambiguity to know that there's a problem, but I'm not dealing with it. Or to know that there's, in David Amal's case, it wasn't that he wasn't dealing with it. It was that he couldn't deal with it. The time had not yet come for the, for, for, for the rebellion to ultimately come about. But the message for us, the Mizmar Ladavid is, we spend our lives running away from problems. We spend our lives sweeping things under the rug. We spend our lives trying to pretend that things are okay when they're really not. Because somehow we think that we're making ourselves feel better by not dealing with dysfunction. And Dabar Allah says, Fakir, it's just the opposite. simcha ba'olam Like Shlomo HaMelech says, the greatest simcha in life is resolution of doubt. It's interesting. Shlomo doesn't say the, great, the, the greatest simcha in life is solving your problems for one simple reason. You can't always solve your problems, right? We know this as we get older, not every problem has a solution or not every problem has an implementable solution. But the greatest simcha is finding the courage to face your demons, to name your monsters. The greatest simcha in life is when you stop sweeping everything under the rug, excuse me, you stop sweeping everything under the rug and you go ahead and finally find the courage to deal with your challenges. That's Mizmar Lidavid Bivarcho Mipne Afshalom Beno. That's the Simcha. And lesson number two Mizmar Lidavid, a person is obligated, Rabbi Akiva says, the Olam Yehei Ragil Adam Lomar. Person should always accustom himself to say, called the Avid Rachmana Litav Avid. And what Rabbi Akiva says, as much as I got from my Rabbi Nochum, that yes, Gam Zulatova, everything is for the good. Nachum taught us to think it. Rabbi Akiva teaches us to say it. Because each and every day, imagine for a moment, if at the end of the day, every day I started my day by articulating this powerful theological precept of kol ma'da'avid rachmana letav avid. Everything Hashem does is for the good. And if I don't just think it, like Nachum told me, but I say it like Rabbi Akiva told me, the things you say become reality. And the moment I live a life of reality that whatever happens to me, called the Avid Rahman Latavavid, the brachas are brachas, but even the adversity somehow, the adversity, I'm not gonna say the adversity is a bracha, that's a hard level to be on. But the adversity also comes from Hashem. 
And if it comes from Hashem somehow, some way, it is for my good as well. Say that statement every day. And that's why David Amalek says, do you know what I did? David Amalek says when Avshalom rebelled, do you know what I did? I sang. Why are you singing? Because ultimately, again, my singing is the way I express called the Ovid Rachmana Letav Ovid. Whatever Hashem does is for the good. That's the way I express it. And if I express it, if I say it, if I say it, you know, this is a little bit of a forgotten art. You know, sometimes when you're a little bit down on yourself, do you know what you should do? Again, free therapy over here, right? You know, you know, you know what you should do when you're down on yourself? Stand in front of a mirror and say, I am good. I am worthy. I mean, make sure nobody else is around because they'll think it's a little bit strange. But I know it sounds like a strange thing to do, but sometimes what you just have to do is articulate and reinforce, I am a good person. I possess positive character traits. I am worthy of life. I am worthy of blessing. I am worthy of other people's love. And when you say these things, it sounds strange, but sometimes even though I know these things in my mind, when you say it, it becomes real. The things you say become real in this world. So we all possess a whole number of beautiful hashkafas and emunos in our minds. The problem is they don't always find expression in the way that we live because they live in the world of cognition as opposed to the world of action. And David HaMelech teaches us, Mizmor le David bevarcham shalom Rabbi Akiva statement. One of the most important hashkafas we have in this world is the belief that everything Hashem does some way, somehow, is for the good. But that hashkafa is only powerful enough to inform the way that I live. Not if I think it, but I have to say it. Nizmar the David Bevarchob Neaf Shalom is the way David articulated this ultimate, all powerful hashkafa. This is a painful matzah in life. This is a painful parsha for me, but I believe that everything and anything you do somehow, some way, is for the good. And I'm going to articulate that ultimately again. So may we be Hashem to internalize these two incredible lessons, to stop running from our problems, to stop sweeping things away, to stop living in the fog of ambiguity, to find the courage to confront our demons, to name the monster, and to experience the simcha of Hataras Hasveikos. And maybe Zochemir Hashem to take the Ashkafa of Nochum and to ultimately articulate it like Rabbi Akiva and hopefully gird ourselves with the strength to accept the goodness of the Ribbono Shalom, even in times of adversity and even in times of challenge. We'll stop over here for today. And Amir Hashem look forward to continuing this journey with all of you next week. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful rest of the week.